The sermon you are about to hear was given at Pillar Bible Fellowship in Hood River, Oregon. Pillar Bible Fellowship exists to glorify God by knowing Christ more fully and making Christ more fully known. Email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org. You can find more information about Pillar Bible Fellowship online at www.pillarhoodriver.org. Please enjoy the podcast. Go ahead and take your seat and grab your Bibles as the music team joins you. As we read from this morning, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. I want to say good morning to the uh, families at home watching online. We love you and miss you. Glad you're joining us as well. All right. Let's get started. I have the, 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 uh, the normal, familiar, very trembling heart and excitement to uh, have the privilege to bring God's word this morning. So very blessed, very blessed by him and by you. So. In our approach to the passage this morning, I'm going to have us glance ahead to where we are going and then glance back to see how it, where we are going, has been infused within this letter since the beginning. This, I believe, will help us draw out then the enriching truth awaiting for us in verses 15 through 20 in chapter 5, of which we'll be in consideration this morning. So glancing ahead now, not far around the bend is the final chapter. We're we're coming close to to finishing our time in Ephesians. Chapter 6. And starting in verse 10, Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power, excuse me, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Spiritual realities we are fighting against. That word against is mentioned six times there. And and why are we fighting against them? Because they are a Opposed to us, right? Opposed to us who are flesh and blood, right? Flesh and blood. Yes, a Christian, if a Christian, we are born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. We are spiritual in that sense. 1 Corinthians 2.13, awakened by the Spirit to believe, to love, and to follow Jesus. But we are still in the body of flesh, right? This, this tent Paul describes as a body of death, the perishable body, excuse me, perishable body that awaits that day when the perishable puts on imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. 
We are still awaiting that day and therefore are still in this body made up of flesh and blood, opposed by that which is not. So in in short, Christians are fighting against the spiritual forces of evil that exist where? In the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. And we've seen Paul infuse these spiritual realities since the beginning of this epistle. He has instilled portion after portion of it leading up to the closing of this letter. Where is this first scene? Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be, or blessed be, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Heavenly places. It comes up again in chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. In Paul's prayer for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Rule, authority, and power. Do those ring a bell at all to chapter 6? Yeah, they do. Another portion instilled by Paul is seen in chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul instills yet another, and this one's a heavy portion in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Noting the gift given to him, to Paul, by God, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that, now get ready, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the, now check this out, to the rulers and authorities, where? In the heavenly places. Very reminiscent of chapter 6, where Paul is speaking of that which we are wrestling against, right? So now why do I draw all attention to this? We're in chapter 5. Why do I draw all attention to this? Because, because living our days of flesh and blood, you know, right now, you and I, the Christian, perishable, perishable bodies of flesh and blood lived out in the in-between, right? You know, the, the, uh, the already not yet spiritual reality, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Our, our standing positionally, being in Christ. That is not realized yet. And while awaiting that day when it is realized, 
while awaiting it in the here and now, we are wrestling against these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that are against us. They are opposed to us every day, which is also our standing positionally being in Christ. You know, they're not opposed to you when you're not in Christ. You're on their team, more or less, in a sense, or you're held captive by them. But when you are in Christ, when you are born again, boom, you become an enemy of Satan. Our standing positionally being in Christ, opposed and fighting against the forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I believe, looking at this passage before us this morning, through that lens, in that context, it will help us draw out the spiritual richness in it to grab hold of by faith. Much like infusing salt into meat unleashes the flavor locked in for you to enjoy and savor with each bite, I want to infuse this truth about spiritual realities into the text to draw out and help us taste the truth God has for us in the passage that we may partake in the goodness of it together. That it, is, that it is so much more than do's and don'ts. Crossing this off and checking this box. That's not, it's not just a matter of instructions, mere instructions, but rather the Christian life. This Christian life we are saved to is that of dynamic truths that operate on the spiritual realm. God's truth is a constant. It does not change, but it's what changes us. The Christian is being changed by it. That's what's dynamic. We are being transformed by that, by his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at it in that context to draw this out. My hope is that by the Holy Spirit's help, flavor-filled truth may be released within this passage for us to enjoy and savor together as we partake it in to digest and nourish our souls thereby. To be impacted by it with lifelong lasting effect as ones who ourselves are to be salt, right? We are to be salt in the earth, to, to, be, to draw out all that is right and true and good. In all of our goings, in all of our conversations, living out our days of flesh and blood in the midst of these spiritual realities. So would you join me on that note, on living out our days of flesh and blood in the midst of spiritualities. And Father, I do rejoice in you. I come to you humbly, but confidently through faith in Jesus Christ in prayer this morning. As I am joined with my brothers and sisters, both here and at home, joined through uh, online platform, God, us together, we, we love you and we anticipate to hear from you, God, because you are a God who speaks. And my prayer, my ask, as we enter into your word, is that it would be such a setting like Mary had with you, Lord Jesus, where she is at your feet. And Martha was right in a sense. There is all sorts of anxieties. Or I guess Martha wasn't right, but Jesus, of course, was right saying, Martha, you are full of anxieties. And there's a lot of things that flood our, our heart and our mind even now. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would silence them. 
that you would just completely silence them, that they would not be present, that the only thing that would be present was, would be our attention upon you, Lord Jesus, with ears tuned in to your word and your voice. So please, I ask, Holy Spirit, bless the preaching of your word. Help us understand and help, help us be transformed by it, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Gabriel. Thank you. So what does, what does this passage before us provide as nourishment to our souls to do this? To live out our days of flesh and blood in the midst of these spiritual realities. It provides three morsels for us to take in and digest to that end. The three morsels are mindful living. Number one, mindful living. Number two, spirit-filled living. And lastly, thankful living. So morsel number one, mindful living. Taking our first bite into, into verses 15 through 17 of chapter five. Let's, let's sink our teeth in now into God's word and read these verses once again. 15 through 17. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I believe the meat in this bite is verse 16 making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Time. Have that capitalized time. Like, I love time. It's precious, right? And can you put a price tag on time? If you think you can, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, you can't purchase more time in a day, nor can you make up for lost time. No currency amount can do that. And what's crazy about time is every human being has an equal deposit amount of time each day to spend as they choose. And regardless of how it is spent, how it's used, it's all that is spent at the, at the end of the day. There's no saving. Every penny is given somewhere, right? There's no saving for tomorrow, for the next day. And, and, and then yet, a same full fresh amount of it is credited once again at the start of a new day. It's an amazing thing. And mindful living in the midst of spiritual realities has an ongoing survey of their use of time. Mindful of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that we have been blessed with in Christ by God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Mindful that we are saved by grace and have been, you know, that's past tense, have been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. A spiritual reality not yet fully realized as we are in the time between. Between it being done, fully accomplished by Jesus, by his atoning death on the cross, and through his resurrection from the grave, and the realization of it, at the fullness of time, at the end of the age, when Christ returns. But during this time, the time in between, 
These days are evil. And we are wrestling against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Mindful living in the midst of these spiritual realities looks carefully on how time is stewarded. On how we walk, you know, how we live out each day. Invested wisely or foolishly squandered. Are, are, we, are we contributing to God's work of grace in us, mindfully aware of the blessings of his glorious grace that we are benefactors of? Are we on guard, right? Are we on guard against the schemes of the devil to ensnare us, to trip us up, to tempt us, to cause division, whether it be within our home or even within our church, to bring discouragement, assaulted by whispering lies? You know, are we on guard against this? The will of God is our what? Our sanctification. So understanding this, are we, are we actively on both the offensive and defensive striving towards that end? Offensive, time in God's word, time in prayer, time in contemplation, time in being a, a, a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Time in practicing repentance, time in confessing sin. Defense, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, those, those lies or those whatever it is that you know, like, this is not truth. Take it and kill it. Defensive. Resisting the devil, drawing near to God. That kind of is, happens in that same moment, right? Resist, and the direction I want to go is to God. I need him as my refuge, my shield. That's defense. We're not on the offense there. That's defense. Combating lies with truth. Interceding in prayer on behalf of, of others and not just ourselves, right? We naturally pray for ourselves, which we ought to, and that's right and good, but praying for others. Keeping oneself unstained from the world. That's such a great passage from James. Unstained. The world will stain us like a stained garment. We know what a stain looks like, whether it be the carpet or our clothing. The world can do that to us, to keep ourselves unstained. That's a, I guess it could be either offense or defense, but I'll take it as defense. Time in seeking help from a brother or sister in Christ when we are feeling weak. I mean, text somebody, I need help, I need prayer. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm being tempted right now. There is a powerful force in me wanting me to do something I know I should not do. I need prayer. Going to a fam- uh, your spouse, a, a brother or sister in Christ. Child, going to your dad or your mom, help me. You know this is an issue for me. You want to combat that sin? Go to a family member. Go to someone who loves you and will pray for you and will help you when you're feeling weak in temptation. So you don't bite that temptation in sin. Are we making the best use of our time for the days are evil? We had a beautiful day on the mountain yesterday. It didn't change the fact that we are living in evil days. Spiritual warfare is a reality not many Christians are mindful of. Christ has yet to return. The God of this world, Satan, 
is still allowed by God to oppose the church and wreak havoc on God's creation, which he will increasingly do till he is blasted away by the brightness of Christ's return and forever cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, hell, a very real place of eternal torment reserved by God for Satan and his demons and all those who do not repent, who do not obey the truth, and who are held captive there and can only be released by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth, that is the truth that can set them free. That's why we are to be ambassadors for Christ, making God's appeal through us, like be reconciled to God. This will deliver you. They don't know that, but if they hear it, the Holy Spirit can take that. And that's what breaks through the bars of the prison that they are held to by Satan. Mindful living is aware of this and seizes every opportunity out of love and compassion, knowing where they're going. I want to set you free. And I can't, but I know who can. And we share that with them. Mindful living is always ready, looking for those opportunities. Because it hasn't happened yet, right? This is the time in between when we still can, when people can be set free. That time has yet to happen. And because it has yet to happen, we know that there is constantly an attack by, the, by Satan. Whether even, like, think of the parable, the, the sowing of the seed. Like, that blows my mind. The first one, Satan is there grabbing that word before it even enters his heart. He is on the attack. The days are evil. He does that. I don't take that as just... an illustrative fanciness of describing what's taking place. Spiritual realities, that happens. That happens, and we need to be mindful of that and fight against that. Evil is still allowed to operate. Lawlessness is not going away until the lawless one is taken out of the way. We are in spiritual warfare positionally seated in the heavenly places in Christ, we who are flesh and blood are doing battle against the forces of evil who are not flesh and blood. We don't see visibly flesh and blood take that word of God and take it out before it even lands in a heart of one who is listening, one who you are sharing the gospel with. That is what we're fighting against. And what's wild is while all along, like when this is happening, when we are living life in this way and doing so, God is making known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places his manifold wisdom in the saving and in the preservation and in the sanctifying work of his covenant people. That, that verse, I know you guys probably heard me tell you that a lot, but that blows my mind when I think about that. Like what he is doing Manifold wisdom of God making known through his church that he is saving as we share the gospel and people are added to the flock of God and that he is preserving us for who knows what is ahead as we read about in the past of saints of old who were just slaughtered, who suffered, but suffered with like Stephen glowing and shining saying, I see my king, he's standing ready to welcome me into the kingdom. I mean, that's the power of God in Stephen that awaits and is ready to help us persevere through persecution. We don't know what's coming, but I am confident in God's word and in the Holy Spirit that we will be able to stand because it's not in our strength. So all this is taking place, that manifold wisdom, like this is happening to these people. You know, the angels are looking in like, 
This is amazing what God is doing. That is in the in-between right now. This sanctifying work through fire where he is shining our faith, refining us, growing us in holiness. <laughs> Making known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places his manifold wisdom. I just love that. And it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in his son according to his word of truth to the praise of his glorious grace. Mindful living in the midst of these spiritual realities surveys, surveys each day in light of this in how time is invested. And the investment of time each day will certainly be different from day to day, right? Some practicalities in this. It'll be different from day to day. You know, sometimes to great degree and sometimes to little. Little variation. You know, one, one day may be just like full throttle forward to the praise of God. I'm sure we've had those at times. Just like, just going. Well, another one to the praise of God may be the godly need to be refreshed. I just need a nap or to recreate just to be, I need to refresh, to be recoup. I mean, they're different. They're different from day to day. They rest your mind and your body. I would also say days lived to varying degrees are unpredictable. And therefore, one needs to be flexible. Good intent to invest a day one way may quickly go sideways, right? We've experienced this may quickly go sideways when that which is more needful presents itself. And we've all experienced this. We see examples of this numerous times in the accounts of the early church in the book of Acts. Jesus himself gives testimony to this in his ministry years. Remember Jesus wearied? He was worried a lot. I mean, he slept in a boat during a storm. But, but this particular weariness is when he made that, that, that journey, that hike, that long over to Samaria. Remember that? Goes to Samaria. To get, and he was resting at the well while his disciples go into town to get some, what were they going to get? Food. <laughs> Long hike. I'm famished. I'm going to chill here by where there's water. Disciples get some food, bring back. That was, that was the plan. Good intent. And while they were running that errand, who is Jesus speaking with at the well? That woman, right? Woman at the well. And you guys know the story. You guys are filling in some of those gaps. And upon making himself known to her, because why? What was she? At this point, she was on a pathway to hell, right? She was enslaved and held captive by Satan. That was her destination. Jesus sets her free by sharing who he is. I who am speaking to you am he. I am the Christ. Set her free. She drops the bucket. She's getting the, out of the, from the, the water from the well and immediately goes to town inviting. She's evangelizing already. Like, come and see this Jesus who's told me everything about me. And shortly before the towns, now this is where we're going here. This is before, shortly before the townspeople come 
I'm not sure how much time, but short duration, his disciples return with food. They're just at the ready. You know, that was their errand. We're going to get food? They come with food at the ready for wearied Jesus to be refreshed by. Jesus, you know, he's wearied. He's hiked a long time and, and he's hungry. He needed food. And he was going to eat. That was the plan, which was a good and important thing to do. What happened? Do you guys remember the story? <laughs> verses, it's in, uh, verses 31 through 32. This is in John 4. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, here, eat. I can see the disciples. Oh, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And I can see his disciples' faces like, what is he talking about? Like, he's just sitting there by the well. We got the food. Verses 33 through 34. So the disciples said to one another, you know, has anyone brought him something to eat? It's like, dude, John, did you sneak him a Snickers bar? You know, where did he get this food? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. It was not wrong for the intent for food to be eaten. You know, Jesus, he needed it. It, however, was trumped. It was trumped by the more needful work the Father prepared Jesus to do instead. And so we likewise, we likewise ought to be mindful of the unpredictability of life. You don't know when those moments come, but they come. They come. Always ready for every good work of faith prepared beforehand by God to show up at any time for us to walk through by faith. A few more. Seasons of life also have plenty have play in our days, what they look like, don't they? Like singles, a lot of different than grandparents and how their days are spent, newlyweds, new parents, empty nesters. You know, there's going to be variety there. There's going to be differences. Your God-given temperament, you know, your, your individual makeup plays a role. God's particular calling on your life also brings influence to this. Your, your particular God-given abilities you know, various gifts, different gifts of his. They're God's gifts. He's given, but given to his people to be used in the power of his spirit to serve him. As Ben prayed, one body, many members. A lot of differences come into play, but each member of the body of Christ ought to look carefully on how we walk, surveying each day being mindful of how we live our days of flesh and blood in the midst of spiritual realities. Okay. While we finish chewing and savoring this morsel, that it may be taken in and put into practice, mindful living, we come to, we come to two verses, verses 18 and 19, have a, they have a mystical air about them. A mystical air about them. And let's, let's just read them through and have them speak for themselves to that effect. Verses 18 through 19. And do not get drunk with wine, 
for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What is Paul speaking of here? What do, we, what do you think Paul is speaking of here? If we, if we are living our days in flesh and blood in the midst of spiritual realities, which, which we are, you know, standing holy and blameless in Christ before our a holy Father God in heaven, and while on this earth, engaged in a spiritual warfare against the forces of evil, against that which is not flesh and blood, what is of vital importance? What's vital importance? Spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled living. Our second morsel to enjoy, a savory bite from in verses 18 through 19. Spirit-filled living. To be spirit-filled of him who already won the victory for us and therefore can be assured, we can be assured to defeat our foe whom we daily wrestle against in these days that are evil. In fact, in fact, just a, a slight glance back, you know, mindful living is living in dependence upon the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your decisions your, of your day, of your use of time. Psalm 143, let your good spirit lead me. A couple verses after verse 8 of that chapter, make me know the way I should go. I mean, that's, that's a daily prayer of mindful living is asking the Holy Spirit, help me. Help me know what is the best use of my time today. The spirit that dwells within us is our guide in accordance to God's word and who also searches our hearts, you know, brings conviction of sin and leads us to repentance. The spirit of God who imparts wisdom and discernment, all of vital importance. Is that the heart, though, of what Paul is speaking of here in these two verses? It's accurate and of necessity to be sure, but I believe not the primary intent to what Paul is speaking of here and being filled with the Spirit. Nor is it mere instruction on how we communicate to one another. Though that that is involved and in ways even participated in during our gatherings such as this morning. I probably wasn't alone. There's times I just went silent and just listened to the words sung, right? There's a participation in that. Joined and lifting our voices together to the Lord in song. You know, it's to the Lord, but as we're singing, we ourselves also hear and are instructed by and are built up by it. This is true and is similarly mentioned in Colossians 3. It's almost, it's very similar, that description there in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. But, it, but is that what Paul is chiefly driving at with this morsel we are biting into? Remember also, he's, he's speaking to who? To Christians. 
Christians who by definition are born again, born of the Spirit of God, whose Spirit has taken permanent residence in their heart. The Spirit of God awakened them to the glories of Christ through the gospel. You know, they believed, same as you and I, Saint, and are likewise vessels of mercy, forever indwelled by the Spirit of God. Yet Paul is saying to them to be filled with the Spirit. Now, let's say, let's say even if they are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, let's give it a try. Love, there's nine, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Even if they're growing in the fruit of the Spirit, I'm having difficulty seeing how that is on point with addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What is Paul speaking of here? Let's let's consider this by what Paul uses as a contrast not to do. Perhaps that will help. Verse 18. Let's, Let's focus on that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Debauchery meaning indulgence in bodily pleasures in all of its forms. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Psalm 104, 104 verses 15, 14 through 15. You, this is God, so you God, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen him, to strengthen man's heart. Wine in itself is not bad. You know, the fruit of the vine that God causes to grow, that gladdens, from God's word, gladdens the heart of man. Jesus. Jesus enjoyed wine in proper proportions. Never overindulged, never in excess, but enjoyed wine. It was the beverage at the Last Supper. Used it, the fruit of the vine, as one of the elements. Wine being that which represented his blood that was shed did so when he instituted the sacrament of communion. Turning water to wine was which miracle? First. It was his first miracle. He was at a wedding feast, you know, a celebratory event, man and woman entering the covenant of marriage, becoming one flesh, a fitting occasion for the fruit of the vine to be partaken of in proper measure. Jesus provided not just wine, but the best wine for the occasion, okay? Wine in itself is not bad. 
And Paul, Paul here is drawing from, from what we know about wine and he directs it Godward. He directs it Godward. Psalm 4, 7. You, God, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Great joy and delight when pantries are full, right? Pantries are full, wine is plentiful. Woohoo! But spirit filled living, spirit filled living is having, experiencing greater joy in God than what any earthly delights or pleasures could bring about. Filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That joy in your heart. Could this be what Peter is talking of in 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 8? When he says, though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, filled with glory. This same Peter who wrote that, who while he was still speaking to the Gentiles about Jesus, he witnessed this taking place, this rejoicing with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. He witnessed this taking place in Acts 10. Peter, he's sharing the gospel of Jesus with Gentiles and while, in other words, he wasn't finished speaking. He was still in the process. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised. That would, be, that would be Jews, not Gentiles. These Jewish believers who had come with Peter were amazed, visibly saw this take place. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were hearing them, the Jews were hearing these Gentiles speaking in tongues and extolling God. Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Utterance of inexpressible joy filled with glory. Melodies erupting in their hearts being made to the Lord. I can't help but include one more. Acts 2, when the people in Jerusalem witness the effects of this happening to the believers in the upper room. You guys know the story. The men of Judea, they were mockingly thinking, what? These guys are filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. They're drunk. They're behaving like they're drunk. These guys are intoxicated, they were saying. And I say yes and amen, they were intoxicated, but not with wine. They were intoxicated. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God fell upon them. They were rejoicing with inexpressible joy, full of glory in God, making melody to the Lord with their heart. That's what was happening. It was visible to them. They, they, they couldn't explain it. They thought they were drunk, intoxicated. Church, can this be anything other than the baptism of the Holy Spirit? filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Filled with wine in excess is debauchery and should not be sought after. 
filled with the Spirit overflowing in your heart is joy inexpressible and should be sought after. You know, the opposite of this is dull. Is your, is your, that's a question. I'll ask, is your Christian life dull? Like, are you just feeling uninspired? If all you know of Christianity is rules of do's and don'ts and how you ought to be and how you ought not to be and know nothing of this power of God, this power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will grow very frustrated if you haven't already. I'm not speaking of the Spirit of God indwelling you, you know, taking up residence permanently in your heart. I'm not talking about this. That was done at conversion. I'm talking about a direct act of the Holy Spirit that happens to you, that is visibly evident. Something we read about in the early church that was the norm. Like, we know this. We read scripture. Like, these things are happening. It fell upon him. It was the norm. Something every true revival bears witness to. Something happens to them that is outside of them, like we read about in Acts. You know, it's not conjured up. It's, it's not manufactured. It wasn't their own doing. No, they waited. God sent, and the Holy Spirit filled them in a manner that was powerfully evident to them, those who are being filled, and to others who are witnessing this taking place. This is perhaps something you've read about of the saints of old who attempt to describe this, this, this touch of God that brought them as close to realizing the spiritual reality of being seated with Christ in the heavenly places while still here on earth and the time in between. Take, for instance, a statement by William Guthrie. William Guthrie, he's a Scotsman from the 1600s. A typical Scot. These are my words. This is already from the book. A typical Scot, the extreme opposite of the effervescent, emotional, unstable type. Someone like me. Someone like me, a polar opposite of me, okay? Who was a great brain, a great brain and theologian. William Guthrie says this about himself being baptized by the Holy Spirit. It is a glorious, divine manifestation of God unto the soul. Shedding abroad God's love in the heart. It is a thing better felt than spoken of. It is no audible voice, but it is a ray of glory filling the soul with God as he is life, light, love, and liberty. Corresponding to that audible voice, O man, greatly beloved. Putting a man in a transport. I dig that. Putting a man in a transport. With this on his heart, it is to, with this on his heart, it is good to be here. It is that which went from Christ to Mary when he but mentioned her name. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is master. He had spoken some words to her before, 
And she understood not that it was he. But when he uttered this one word, Mary, this, there was some ab, admirable, divine, or admirable divine conveyance and manifestation made out under her heart by which she was so satisfyingly filled that there was no place for arguing and disputing whether or not that was Christ and if she had any interest in him. That manifestation wrought faith to itself and did purchase credit and trust to itself and, is, and was equivalent with, thus saith the Lord. This is such a glance of glory, such a glance of glory, that it may in the highest sense be called the earnest or the first fruits of the inheritance. For it is a present and as it were sensible discovery of the holy God almost wholly conforming the man unto his likeness, so swallowing him up that he forgets all things except the present manifestation. Wow. How glorious, oh, how glorious is this manifestation of the Spirit. Faith here rises to soulful assurance that it resolves wholly unto the sensible presence of God. This is a thing which does best deserve the title, sensible presence. And it is not given unto all believers. Somewhere of are all their days under bondage and in fear. But here, love, almost perfect, casts out fear. This is so absolutely let out upon the master's pleasure and so transient or passing or quickly gone when it is that no man may bring this gracious state into debate for want of it. Do you know something of this church? Some here may say, yes. Yes, and they're thinking, I dare speak of it, for human words are unworthy to convey the sensible presence of God that I was blessed with. Ones who are, who are moved right now within, having their heart greatly warmed by reflections of that memory, that, that, that blessing given. But I believe for others, perhaps many, the answer is no, we don't. This was the norm for the early church. This This is the norm for any true Holy Spirit brought about revival. And this can happen today. It can happen today to any believer. When when William says it is not given unto all believers, that is not because it's not available to them. No. They simply don't seek it. They simply don't seek it. That is our duty and privilege to seek God's face that it would be given. To not be filled with wine in excess, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing in your heart, making melodies of joy inexpressible, full of glory to the Lord. That we Christians, or this, we Christians, living our days of flesh and blood in the midst of spiritualities, spiritual realities, this we ought to seek God for. 
why? Maybe you're asking why. Well, first off, our father delights to give this gift of himself. Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13. Gospel of Matthew also has this account. Jesus is speaking here. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, do you hear that? For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What? What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? His children who ask him, whose children, if they're children, they're already filled, they already have the Spirit of God indwelling them, who are asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to fall upon them in such a way with that sensible presence of God. How much more? You who are evil, know how to give good gifts? God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. He delights to give this gift of himself. And secondly, secondly, when it comes, when it comes, great assurance of who you are floods your soul. Great assurance of who you are just floods your soul and brings about a great power in your witness as a Christian. And therefore, therefore does great harm to the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that are wrestling against us. Do you see that? This great assurance and this power in our witness is a, a, a driving blow to the spiritual forces of evil that we are wrestling against. I mean, that's pinning them. And I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says on this note. I mean, just listen to this. It's just perfect. There is nothing the devil is more anxious to prevent than that a Christian person should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A formal Christian does not worry the devil. A formal Christian does not do much harm to the kingdom of the devil. But once a Christian is filled with the Spirit, he becomes a menace to the devil. And that is it. That is what we are meant to be. Menaces to the devil who turn the world upside down for Jesus. You know, a, a revival, a true revival is nothing but this happening to individuals on a grand scale. And oh, that the Lord would be gracious and pleased to grant this blessing to Pillar Bible Fellowship like as the epic center here in the Hood River Valley, the epic center for a revival wave to move through this land. 
And may we do our part in seeking it because that is of necessity. We must be seeking it. We must ask. We must seek and knock for the door to be opened. So swallowing this, mor- this morsel now, I'm being spirit-filled. I want to offer some, some savory instruction about seeking it. Some instruction about seeking it. And I remind you again, I remind you again, it, it is a gift. It's a gift of God as he sovereignly determines to give in his way and in his time. It, it, it cannot be manufactured. It cannot be conjured up, insisted upon, or anything of that nature or brought about by any means outside of God's will to graciously do so. It's a gift. It's a gift. And we are to seek it with persistence. Perseek it with persistence, with, a, with an urgency, and not be spasmodic about it. Spasmodic. You know, you're trying for a time, you're trying, you're seeking, nothing happens, and we just stop. We just stop seeking, we stop asking, we stop knocking. And then we pick it up again. You know, sometime later, when, we're, when we get re-inspired, you know, to do so, and then yet, we just stop again after not receiving it. That's not the way. That is not the way. We must, we must be like Jacob, who wrestled with God all night. All night, saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to stop. That's the urgency. That's the, uh, the, the element of of a necessity to receive it, that you are tenaciously unrelenting in your pursuit of God. I will not let you go. I am going to bother you and bother you and bother you and bother you until you give this gift that you promise to give to those who seek, ask, and knock for it. And to meet right alongside that is we must be patient, right? We must be patient for it may come in a moment. We've seen that in the accounts, but it also maybe days or years and times in between and any time in between. And there is also no knowing. There is no, there is no knowing, and so we must keep on keeping on and not become discouraged as we wait by either the time of duration nor where he takes your hand and leads you through in life preparing your heart for it. Because that's a part of it as well. He'll prepare your heart for it. To be fit for it. As the hymn puts it, near, my God, to thee, near to thee, even though it be a cross that raises me. Like, like, Lord, if that's the case, if that's the case, you are worth it. So be it. So be it as long as it comes, as long as it brings me near to you. I want this assurance. I want this power in my life to have a, a powerful impact against the forces of evil, to knock them down when they confront me. Not me, but you in me that has this assurance and power to do so. I'm willing to go where you take me just so long as you take me to you. The final two in seeking. Abide in him. 
abide in him, meaning you are seeking God in his word regularly and spending time in prayer to know him and in the power of his spirit to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance when you don't. That's got to be involved as well. Obedient living, seeking God in his word, spending time in his word, repentance when sin is convicted of, confessing it. That's got to be there. And most important of all, most important of all, you are not to seek the gift, but the giver. You are not to seek the gift, but the giver. We are to seek God, to know him and his love for us, to be strengthened with his might, to be able to comprehend his love for us in Christ Jesus. If, if you are seeking the gift itself, it will not come. If you're seeking just the gift, it will not come. We are to seek him, our creator, our heavenly father, the one and only true living God who is blessed forever. He is faithful and trustworthy to come through on his promises. And he is so worth it. Our last morsel, our last morsel this morning, as mentioned earlier, on living our days in the flesh and blood in the midst of spiritual realities, and that is thankful living. Thankful living, supplied for us in verse 20. Let's go ahead and take it in, starting off in verse 18 again. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So being our, our closing point, let's, let's take this morsel together. Let's take this morsel with the others, like kind of like a dinner plate, Mixing, you know, mixing the food together, having the flavors interact with one another to create a new flavor experience. And I know for some of you, food can't even touch one another, right? <laughs> Got to keep them in their place. Trust me, though, if you haven't ventured there, mixing food together, you know, discoveries await, amazing discoveries. So when you're ready, it's okay to go there. But this last morsel of, of thankful living we're going to blend with the others, for they, for they do work together. When we, are, when we are mindful of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ that we have been blessed with by God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that though we wrestle against the forces of evil in the heavenly places that are not flesh and blood, Jesus our King Jesus, our King, the one who equips us with strength for the battle, Psalm 1839. He equips us with strength for the battle. He has done all, and he supplies all for us to fight in the power of his spirit in the victory he secured for us, who himself came in flesh and blood, came in flesh and blood, walked among us, showed us the Father's love through all his earthly life, and then most signally, by laying down his life of his own accord as a ransom for many. 
triumphing over Satan, sin, and death. His body of flesh was broken. And his blood was shed on the cross as an offering for sin to once and forever set free from sin those who call upon his name as Lord and Savior. We who are living our days of flesh and blood in the midst of these spiritual realities have ample reason, ample cause to give thanks always. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful living. Thankful living is a fitting savor upon our lips for those who have been awakened to see these spiritual realities. So let's live our days of flesh and blood in light of this truth. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we come now to the time of the, the end of your word preached, uh, uh, the meal, the portion you had for us, I'm, remindful, I'm reminded of how mindless and empty and dark life was before the gospel of Jesus Christ shed light on the truth and opened eyes to see and to set free. And Father, I pray for us as a church body, individually, that from today's word, that there would be a refreshed um, awareness to put that into practice, mindful of who we are, through faith in Jesus Christ, these spiritual realities that these are our standing, our position before you, and very much aware of these evil forces that are opposed to us, that we are fighting against each and every day. Even the power of indwelling sin within us, that we need to fight, mortify the deeds of the flesh, that it is a battle we engage in in your strength. Lord Jesus, and all that you supply to help us be very keenly aware and seeking your direction, your guidance in, in how we invest our time. That there is a, a peace and a clarity as we move forward and invest our day, whether that's today as we're doing now, gathered to lift songs of praise to you, to sin under the preaching of your word, whether that be in our, our work day, focused and committed to the job at hand, yet always ready at those unknown, unexpected moments where you have waiting for us a work prepared from eternity past. And this would apply also within the home for and in the school place, whether school is within a school building or a home under the teaching of, of mom and dad, that there is focus, that there is awareness to invest in all that is contributing to the work of grace in our heart, to strengthen us in the, 
the love of Jesus and the, um, the weapons of warfare to do battle against sin. And for a move of your spirit to, to shift where there is a time to shift, where there is an awareness of something, we need to be off the plan today. Like this was a plan, it was good, but something is taking place that, that has trumped it. That we would have such a flexibility and a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit to, 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 to venture out as you would lead. And Father, with compassion for those who are still held captive by the God of this world, still on the pathway to destruction, still, still having the wrath of God upon them justly, that we have the key, we have the message, the hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one thing only that can set them free that we would have a mindfulness of that, just always ready, ready to, to share you, Lord Jesus, and you crucified. You are compelling. You rose from the grave. You are powerful. Give us compassionate hearts for the lost. May that be applied even in prayer, regularly, individually, and together, pleading, for the lost, for, for those to be saved, for this, for this valley, this nation, for this world to, to have a revival. We know it's taking place, and so we pray, we ask, God, give us, actually, I want to back up, even just, if there is a, if there is a lack of, of, a, of an urgency present, of wanting this sensible presence of God, this, this filling with the Holy Spirit, with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, if there is even a, um, an, a lack of urgency. It's not, it's good to pray that you would bring that urgency to start there. God, Holy Spirit, give us this urgency, urgency to pray, urgency to seek and knock and to not let go, to be like Jacob and just cling to you, hold on where you're the one saying, let go. And we're like, no, not until you bless me. Give us that urgency to go to that extreme may be contagious among us and may it indeed be as you, Father, would be gracious to this church family. May we be the epic center of it for this revival wave just to explode and begin here and go outward to our neighborhoods and to this valley, to all whom we would interact with. God, we, this is what our world needs. We need a work of your Holy Spirit. It's something that is only possible by you. So help us, God. May we be seeking it. And Father, may that be our posture as well. Sinners, so thankful. Never considering our status, our position through faith in Jesus Christ as, as something earned, something that uh, puts us in an elevated place above others, with, a, with an, a haughty holding, but, but always humble, always fully aware of our sinfulness, of our depravity, of our helplessness apart from your work of grace. God, keep us there. And I, I know keeping us there is keeping our eyes on Jesus, 
God, keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. May you be whom we concentrate on and seek after and, and long to be close to, to spend every moment with. That we would be marked as a th- thankful people. God, we are so well loved by you. We rejoice in our King, in our God. We thank you for this morning, this time that we've gathered. And we ask this all in the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Pillar Bible Fellowship. Please email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org.